Open up your Bibles, Luke chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible with you, you might want to pull out your message notes. You were handed on the way in the door. Or even better yet, download the app and open up the app and you can follow along and take some notes in there with the notes in the app for you. So we're in this series, Luke 24 on the Emmaus Road. We're talking about what it means to journey together in this following of Jesus. Because as we've been discussing, the intent of a relationship with God, though it's always been personal, it was never supposed to be private. That this walk with God is always intended to be an us, we, and together thing. So we've been walking around a very important question that I think each of us have to wrestle with at some point on the journey. The question is this, do I have the kind of relationships in my life that help me seek God? That's a really important question. And the answer to that is really going to affect the trajectory of our relationship with God. And so we've been walking around this question under the banner of understanding what together means. We use that phrase around here quite a bit, more together every day on some of the t-shirts you see around here. What does together mean? And we're using the Emmaus Road text to surface some insight into our together. Just kind of review the last couple of weeks. I put at the top of your notes and here up on the screen, we first started talking about this whole concept that together means we're gonna make some choices to walk with each other in liminal space. And that term liminal space, it it comes from a word that talks about threshold. It, It means the space in between, right? It's the acrobat who releases the bar And then before they grab on to the next bar, it's the space between those two bars. When you've released one thing and you haven't grasped onto the next and you're hoping there's a net underneath you if you're an acrobat to catch you. When you're in that space right there, we have termed that liminal space. The space in between the now and the not yet. And if you're not living in liminal space, just keep breathing and it's coming Because God enjoys relating with us and walking with us in liminal space. It's a very fruitful ground for our souls. And so it's important in a community to understand we got to learn how to choose to be together in that space in between, which the disciples on the Emmaus Road were indeed in that space. Because remember what had just happened in their lives. Jesus had just been crucified, buried, raised to life, and They weren't quite catching on that he's raised and they weren't grasping that it's Jesus who's joined him on the journey, which is the second point we started looking at, that to be together means we gotta have the kind of people in our life who help us pay attention to Jesus, that he's joined us on our journey, the seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is where Cleopas and the other disciples went. Why were they going back to Emmaus? Because their hopes and dreams had been shattered. They put all their eggs in Jesus' basket He had been brutally beaten, he had been crucified, he'd been laid in a tomb, he'd been sealed, armed guards, silent Saturday, stories over, I'm going back home, that's Cleopas, that's that's where they're at. And they're walking back home and they're talking about all that had happened over the weekend and Jesus joined them on the journey. And do we have the kind of people in our life who help us recognize Jesus has joined us and that we're not just with one another, we're with him while we're with one another. 
I think this is a really important element of what it means to be a spiritual friendship, a Christian community, that at the core of those kinds of friendships are the kinds of people who help pursue Jesus in the midst of being with one another. And then last week, we added to this, right? We looked at the, the continuation of the story last week as they continued on the road and they began to discuss these things. Now, we talked about this interesting dynamic in the story that they were kept from recognizing Jesus, which a whole lot of discussion about how that all happened, but they don't recognize that the resurrected Christ has joined them on the journey and was asking them about what they were discussing. And it's kind of ironic, right? The one who knows everything about what had just happened was asking them, hey, tell me, tell me about what things you're talking about. Tell me what happened in Jerusalem. Let's talk about that. And and what was behind that? And we, and we talked about how important it is when we're together in community, right, that we resist the temptation just to kind of rush into that liminal space and fill it with trite Christian answers and chapter and verse on everything and a three-point outline on how to fix stuff. And that's, there's a place and a time for inserting teaching and instruction. We'll get to that today. Actually, Jesus is gonna get to the point of instructing. But notice where it comes in the story. It's, it's a little bit farther down the trail from Jerusalem to Emmaus. He didn't just start there. He knew what was going on, but there's something about the kinds of people in our life who, who help ask the right question and can sit with us. We talked about being able to be with what is. Do you have the kind of people in your life, right, who are just able to be with you in what is, even if what is you can't even put words to, even if you're in that space in between and you can't even describe what you're, will they just be with you or they everybody try to fix everything? And that's an important part of what it means to be a community together. And then the last part we looked at last week is a prayerful listening together, that there's this cultivating a listening to God and listening to one another, that our being with God and being with each other is all intersected together. And are we able to listen to what God's up to and what God's about in the friendship when the interactions are going on? I think that's a really important element of what together in the body of Christ Means So this is where we're at in the story. They're walking. They're on the seven-mile journey. They're getting closer to Emmaus. The miles are ticking off. The conversation's rolling. Jesus asked them, hey, what kinds of things have you been talking about? And their face are kind of downcast. Hopes and dreams have been shattered. They're just trying to put words to it. And, and so in response to Jesus' question, what things, we'll pick up the story here, verse 19, they respond to him. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. What do you think Jesus' nonverbal was right here? That had to be an amazing moment, didn't it? You have those kind of conversations with the person when you're, you know the person doesn't understand that you know about everything that that person's just describing. How do you handle that? Do you kind of nod? Do you kind of do the Zionsville polite golf nod, golf clap type of response? You with me? Or then when I'm in, I love being around my African-American friends and African-American brotherhood, and when I'm with them and we're having those conversations, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you just know exactly how they're feeling about what's going on with that conversation. How, how do you think Jesus is responding here? Right, Jesus is, they're just describing what they know about Jesus. Jesus is walking with them on the way, listening to this conversation with them. I just picture him with this, I think it's got a great smile. I think he's got a big smile. I think he's nodding, affirming that he's listening. Just picture what this had to be like. Verse 20, the chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. You ever have those friends who just give you that, mmm, mmm, 
right? When the, ooh, that's a tough part of the story. Ooh, crucified him. But look, here's the key phrase. I want you to underline your Bibles. But we had hoped. It's gonna be a key phrase for us today. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, underline what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Wow, what a conversation. So Jesus asked him, hey, what kinds of things are you talking about? What are you processing from your weekend? And they go in and recap the whole weekend that Jesus had just experienced. And do you see what they kind of rooted in? There's so much in that phrase I had you underline there in verse 21. But we had hoped. And I think this is another element of what it means to be together as a body of Christ. That we're gonna open up like, the grand mystery of God's ways together. You know, there's like a, there's a grand mystery to what God does and how he does things. And here it's the, the but we had hoped places. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing the uh, sunset walk with our dog, Ollie. Yes, we have a three-year-old Shishan, much to the shock of many of you who've known me for so long. I caved about three years ago. And we got a dog, so that requires, you know, the whole walking scene. I've enjoy sunset or so. We'll go on a walk around the neighborhood. And we were strolling around, and one of our elderly neighbors was sitting out on her porch, and she saw us coming by. And Ollie doesn't know a stranger. He wants to attack and lick everybody he sees. And so he kind of pulls over towards her, and she comes out to greet him. And she looks up at me, and I could tell she'd been crying. And uh, she said, you're a minister, right? I said, Yes. That's usually a fairly loaded <laughs> statement, you know what I mean? And she said this, she says, can I walk with you? I felt a little bit like right there, I was thinking, I think this is gonna be an Emmaus road walk. Just kind of, you know, can I walk with you? Sure. So we just started walking. And she was crying. And she said, uh, you know, just a couple of days ago, my 21-year-old grandson took his own life. And my granddaughter, who's just a couple years younger than him, she's on a really bad path too. And she said, Pastor, I, I don't know what to do with all this. I thought maybe you could help me understand what's God doing in all this? Because this is overwhelming to me. She's kind of sobbing her way through the story. And of course, I was just asking questions and trying to understand and put into practice some of the things we've been talking about, right? Clearly, lots of liminal space here, right? I mean, releasing a whole bunch of stuff she thought she'd never have. Which, by the way, usually you're invited into liminal space. Usually it's a crisis that thrusts you there. You know what gets you to release the bar over here? It's crises usually. So she released a bunch of stuff she never thought she'd have to release. And she has yet to grasp onto whatever is next. And we're just right there. And so we walked for a bit and we got back to her driveway area and I just, just thought, you know, I, I don't know what else to offer, but I, I, I wanna pray for you. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yes, please. I just paused. I kind of just placed my hand on her shoulder there and Psalm 46.1 came to mind. So I prayed that over her. It says, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help 
in time of trouble. I just kind of prayed that over her. And somewhere along the way in my prayer, I said something to this effect of, Lord, you know, we just kind of lay the, the grand mystery of these things that happen in our life. We just lay it at your feet right now. And something with that phrase, she just kind of wanted the prayer to end right there. And she just looked up my, she says, that's the word. She says, that's what's going on in my life right now. It's mystery. So that's what I need to hear. I need to know. It's mystery. And then I said, you know, I found, I said, you know what I found years ago, it's helpful to connect mystery to this thought that mystery isn't the absence of meaning, but the presence of more meaning than we can comprehend. And I said, there's just a whole lot more going on here that we're gonna be able to comprehend right now. And I think mystery's a good word for it, but I want you to hold on to this, that, that God's not absent in that mystery, that, that God, God's at work and he's near and he's doing some things and all of that. And it wasn't your average sunset walk with Ollie. It was kind of an Emmaus road, right? I think it's a bit like Cleopas and the disciple felt. We had hoped this particular grandmother had hoped that her grandson would make a turn. But, but God, we, we had hoped that you were going to answer our prayer this way. But God, we had hoped that you were going to heal our loved one. But God, we had hoped you were going to provide that job. God, we had hoped you were going to rescue that broken marriage. God, we had hoped that you were going to give us a child, that we've been longing to have a child. But God, we had hoped. Do you know a big part of what it means for us to be together as a body? We gotta be able to crack open the but we had hoped places in all of our hearts. Because we all have them. There is a grand mystery to God's ways that I think we need to be honest about. Isaiah 55 describes it this way. That would be like the grand mystery chapter, right? When he says in Isaiah 55, what does he say? Uh, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What is that trying to say? That's trying to say there's a grand mystery to what God does and to when God does things. Have you discovered this yet? Like what God does and when God does things, you can't always trace that. Now, sometimes we're very grateful that the dots he connects together make a lot of sense to us. But you know, often this relationship with him is going to be an awful lot like Cleopas and this disciple taking a seven-mile walk that they never imagined they'd have to take. And they can't connect the dots they'd experienced that Jesus was. What did they hope Jesus was going to be? He's going to be the Messiah. What did they hope was going to happen to the Romans? The Romans are going to get the boot out the door. And then the Jews are going to be put into power. And we're going to be out from under this oppression. We had hoped he was the one, Lord. Can you hear that? And the grand mystery of God's ways was what? He's laying in a tomb. And that tomb sealed. And now we've got a bunch of women running around saying, he's not in the tomb anymore. We don't know what to do with that. And we're going home because we don't know what else to do. We had hoped. And somewhere in our spiritual friendships, in our Christian community, in our ability to be together in the name of Jesus, we gotta crack open those places. 
And we gotta be able to be with one another in that space. I remember February this past year, I remember I was standing, I think it was right back there on that blue rug near the back row, and I was talking to Bob Sterling right back there. And Bob and I were having a conversation, and his bot, he was struggling with things physically, and he looked me in the eye with such clarity, and, and Bob said to me, he said, Eric, the Lord spoke to me that all this is about over. And he had such clarity when he said it to me. And I said, really? I said, you know what? I, I walked away from that conversation. I was so filled with hope. I walked away going, hallelujah, Lord. Lord's gonna heal Bob. And I was praying, you were praying, we were all praying the Lord's gonna heal Bob. And then March, April, and May occurred, and then we're, we're standing in June at Bob's funeral, and I'm, and I'm standing around the casket with some of the family, and I just had this flashback moment standing there, and it was a, kind of a flashback standing, looking at the casket, we're preparing for the memorial service, to that conversation. This is almost over. Now, I interpreted that, right? God's gonna hear our prayers for healing, and God's gonna heal him in this life. We had hoped. And Tanya and the kids and the grandkids and the extended family and we as a church family, the elders board, the teams that he works with, the small groups they're all a part of, we had all prayed and what had we hoped? That God was just gonna heal him and give him more life on this earth. And And then through the whole memorial service, right, we get a whole nother picture of God's ways just higher than our ways, Lord. There's a grand mystery. I don't understand why the Lord chose to do what he did with Bob and the journey. I rejoice in this that we can stand here today and say, you know what? Bob is completely and fully healed. <laughs> Bob's never been better. As I said at his memorial service, Bob's, earth, Bob's earthly body was really an amazing earthly body. I mean, he was a great looking, I worked out at the gym with him. He's one of those guys in the gym that all the rest of us guys kind of like envy, covet kind of thing, you know? Like the opposite end of the spectrum of me on the <laughs> earthly body side, that was Bob. Like he just looked so good and he was so fit. And he took such good care of himself and he did crazy things in the gym that I wanted to do. He'd climb up on this rope and I so wanted to climb the top of that rope like an elementary and ring that bell. I'm like, Bob, I just want to be like Bob in the gym. And his earthly body was so good. I said, can you imagine what his glorified body must be? And there's no CJD in heaven. He's been set free and he's healed. But gang, the grand mystery is, why is this the new normal for the rest of the Sterling family? Why so young? Why this? Why now? This is the but we had hope space. And we gotta be able to enter into this and crack that open and walk into that together and be able to be in that space. Are you with me? This isn't a chapter, verse, three point out. This is not that. This is, but we, do you hear? Like Jesus is hearing them say, but we had hoped you were gonna be the one. And there he is standing in his resurrected state. How about one who could have just jumped in right there and just kind of clarified the whole scene? He's just letting them walk it out. 
And I want to be that kind of friend. And I want to have those kind of friends that can be with me with what is in the grand mysteries. Listen to how Ruth Haley Barton puts it. I put this quote in your notes, I believe. As we get in touch with our truest longings and desires, we need a community that can listen to our desire and support us in choosing practices and life rhythms that are congruent with what we say we want. Intimacy with God, deeper levels of transformation in God's presence, soul friendship and connection with others, and the freedom and courage to offer the gifts of an authentic self to the world. That's what it means to be together. So it's time for Jesus to now speak. If you're looking in your Bibles, the paragraph turns red. You got the red letter edition, verse 25. Time for Jesus to speak. He's asked a lot of questions. Now he's gonna insert some words. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Doesn't sound very empathetic, does it? (laughs) Jesus just jumps right to the point. He'd been doing a lot of listening. He's like, hey, you guys aren't connecting the dots. Verse 26, did not the Christ, that word Christ is Messiah, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I think that's the best Bible study that's ever taken place, like ever, That's way better than Beth Moore could do it, way better than Matt Chandler, BSF, CBS, all great Bible studies, gang. Ain't better than that Bible study right there. Jesus is opening up the scriptures and helping connect all the dots, right? If you're looking for that kind of a life group, that life group ain't here. You're looking for that kind of Bible study, you ain't gonna find that Bible study. You're gonna find what Cleopas and that disciple had right there and they're gonna describe it later. Were not our hearts burning within us? Can you imagine? Are you kidding me? The resurrected Christ is helping you understand. The only one who could help us understand Leviticus is Jesus. They got Jesus to help them. I'm still looking for help. I went to seminary and I still can't figure out what that's all about. Jesus is walking them through the storyline and connecting the law and the prophets and he's putting all the dots together and he's helping them piece the story and as it's going on, their eyes are becoming more and more open and their hearts are burning within them. Do you see this, what's going on? Jesus listens, he walks. They're probably on mile marker five, six, or seven here on the seven mile journey. It's towards the end of the journey. They're going, they're walking, they're talking, they're dialoguing and then Jesus starts connecting the dots, starts piecing the story together. There's a mystery about what God does and when God does it. And here for Cleopas and that disciple, the when is becoming clear right now. He's gonna help them. They've released one bar. He's gonna help them grasp right now onto this next bar. And I think the principle here is this for us today, a part of another element of our together in Jesus' name is that there's an immersion in our community. We immerse ourselves together in the scriptures and we let God's story bring shape to our story. 
This is what the psalmist talks about. I think I put in your notes some scriptures. Psalm 119. This is what Psalm 119 is getting at. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. By the way, that's a great prayer to pray, even as you're driving to church on Sundays or you're headed to your life group or you're headed to your Wednesday night Bible study. That's a great thing to pray right there. Or how about when John 16 and Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. It's a great thing to pray as you open God's word and seek to understand it. John 17, this is Jesus praying now for us, sanctify sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth, sanctify, purify, set them apart by the truth. Your word is truth. Do you see what Jesus... Here's the picture. Jesus said, hey, when we gather together in the name of the Father, the presence of the Spirit, through the blood of the Son, when that gathering happens, it's not a collective pooling of thoughts and opinions of man that we center and gather upon. We gather around this God-breathed book. We don't have to sit around and wonder what God's like and wonder how God relates to us and wonder what life with him looks like. We actually have 66 books written by 40 different authors across three continents in three languages, stewarded by the Holy Spirit with great unity of message that we open up this God-breathed book together and it becomes a centering reality, practical guidance and direction for our lives. This is a really important part about what it means to be a spiritual community, what it means to have sacred companions, what it means to be Christian in friendship, that this God-breathed book provides guidance, provides direction, provides insight into what we're doing and what's going on with our lives. This Bible is an amazing gift to us. People like Wycliffe and Tyndale and others, they gave their life that we might have this in our hands. And when you travel the globe, there's some places in the globe that they just want one copy of this in their village. And when the one copy arrives in their village, it's a party like New Year's Eve in Times Square for the one copy of the scriptures that's found them. So they can what? So they can read and study and learn and understand and have their hearts burning within them. And look at us. We've got so many, we've got a rack of Bibles in the back. I don't know how many you've got in the back seat of your car. We've got a pile of them in Lost and Found. There's all kinds of Bibles in Lost and Found, and it's fun to call through the owners of the Bibles in Lost and Found. It's a wonderful conversation to have. It's kind of comedy relief. It's like, hey, just want to let you know that we've got your Bible here at the church office. And many of you have said, oh, really? I didn't know it was missing. That's not super encouraging to pastor. I'd rather response been, oh, I've been looking, been searching everywhere for that thing. A few of you have said that. Not many. Most of you go, really? Didn't even know it was gone. You would come and pick it up. Really good stuff in there. This Bible's an amazing book. I know it's big and thick and it's difficult to understand at different points. There's a lot going on, a lot of people, a lot of times, a lot of places, a lot of moving parts. You see why we need one another. That's what the gift of one another in this. This is an amazing gift to us in our community. But hear this clearly now. But here's what we have to be careful of. The caution is we can't let this book become, become hear this, the end goal of our connectedness. Are you tracking with me here? 
This book cannot become the end goal of our connecting with each other. This book is a means to the end. Uh, I think you missed it here. So, I gotta, so John 5, this is, this is what Jesus is saying in John 5. They were making the scripture something he didn't intend. That's what Jesus said to him. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Oh, there's so much in that. What does that say? Even the tendency of when we name some of our churches a Bible church. Now careful, the wonderful centrality of the scriptures in the church, absolutely. But the goal isn't that this becomes the center of our connectedness. No, this is a means to connect with him. The seeking of Jesus is the centrality of what we are connecting with one another about. This facilitates that. Are you tracking with me? This facilitates that. And this is why the key question isn't, what, what Bible study am I a part of? That's not the most important question to ask. The more important question to ask is, do I have the kind of relationships in my life that help me seek God? Of which, certainly Bible studies are important and helpful, but that's not the most important question. Are you following me here? Because we can get off the rails with this. It just becomes about whatever the next hot Bible study that's going on and great DVD teaching, as wonderful as all those things are, they need to fuel and facilitate this. A reverent obedience and a worship and a surrender of pursuing Jesus with all we've got. To know him and love him and serve him and give our whole life to him. There's no one like Jesus. That's why Paul said, Christ is my life. Is Jesus your life? This cannot be your life. Nor can your spouse be your life. Nor can your work be your life. Nor can your kids be your life. Nor can your 401k be your life. You cannot make those things your life. If you do, you'll be set up for massive disappointment. The bottom will drop out of your life. Why? Because Jesus Christ is my life. That's what it's supposed to be. The centerpiece of our community is Christ. He's why we gather when you're driving to your life group, when you're going to your class, when the students are connecting in all their groups, not only this morning, but this afternoon, and all the kids in all their groups downstairs this morning, is this the center point? Why are we doing this? Of course we enjoy seeing each other, hanging out together, hearing about our weeks. That's all good, but that's gotta be secondary. The primary purpose of us coming together is what? I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know him more intimately. And you're central to help me do that. The ways you walk with him and listen to him and relate to him. That helps me. And I hope that I can help you. You see this? Our connecting with each other is for a so that that's much bigger. And that makes the connecting with each other a whole lot more sustainable. Because the Bible studies are going to run out. And you're eventually not going to want to hang out with the same people you've been hanging out with all the time. If it's just about people hanging out together illustration is just your family, an extended family. Like how much do you look forward to getting together with all those extended family all the time? At some point, it's got to get bigger than all that. And this is the so that. So this is what together means for the body of Christ that gathers in the name of the Jesus for the presence of the Spirit. That there is a connectedness to one another. So the key question is, do you have, do I have, 
the kind of relationships in my life that help me seek God. And I think it's really, really important that we peel the layers back on that. And if the answer is, no, I don't think so, we gotta get to the bottom of that. Or I think I have some, but I understand most of us aren't looking for more relationships in our life. Most of us can't sustain the relationships that we already have. That's part of the onion that's gotta get peeled back here. Because perhaps there's some yeses that need to be said on the relationships that help me seek God. That means there's maybe some no's that have to be said on some other relational worlds that you can't keep going. And how do you balance all? That's where you need God's help to navigate. But I think this question's really critical for our long-term health as a person, as a community. So I just kind of jotted down, let's pull things together here this morning. I said, what do these kind of relationships look like? Well, I think our grid so far, we've got kind of six Six principles of what do those relationships look like to help you seek God. They're the kind of people that walk with you in the space between the now and the not yet. That's that kind of, those kind of people. Liminal space people. They're the kind of people who help you pay attention to Jesus when maybe you're distracted by half a dozen other things and they say, hey, Jesus is right there. He's joined you on your journey. Do you see him? Those kind of people. Uh, they're the kind of people who, who are able to just be with what is, who aren't gonna rush in with chapter and verse and three-point outline and everything, just be with what is and help you be present with what is, ask great questions. They're the kind of people who prayerfully listen. Prayerfully, meaning they're paying attention to God. Listen, meaning they're paying attention to you. And they're the, the, the kind of people who crack open, what we talked about, to crack open the but we had hope spaces. Which, by the way, flows into, did you notice what also they said? Not only, but we had hoped he was the one. And then he said, but what's even more? They're like piling on Jesus. They're saying, but what's even more, it's the third day. What's that pointing to? It's the third day. What did they know about the third day? It's the third day and Jesus is supposed to be alive. Can you hear the cynicism and the frustration and the disappointment and the shattered dreams? We had hoped he's the one and now it's the third day. But we can't find him anywhere. He's right there in front of us. How often in my life I've been like that? Oh God, I'd hoped you'd just be right here and break through and break into the mess. And he's right there and I can't see him. And that's why I need you. That's why we need each other. Because then you can say to me, hey Simpson, you see him? He's right here. And they're the kind of friends who help us keep this God-breathed book in just the right place in our formation. A very important place, but not the ultimate place. A means to an end that our hearts ought to be burning within us as we get in this word together because we're pursuing and seeking him. Do you have those kind of relationships? Do I have those kind of relationships? The issue isn't whether we're gonna go on a seven-mile journey to Emmaus. The issue is when we take that journey, are we gonna go it alone? By God's grace, Let's make the answer no. We're not going alone. Let's pray. Father, so much of life is lived in that space in between the now and the not yet. And even today, Lord, so much, but we had hoped in this room. Maybe even this week, some things have happened. And still waiting for you to come through and break in and 
dealing with the mystery of what you do and when you do it. Thank you that in this community for 25 years, your word has been a guiding light to illuminate our steps, to help us see you more clearly. Thank you for your word. Thank you for entrusting it to us. Thank you for those who've given their lives that we can hold it into our hands, that we can crack it open as we crack open the but we had hope places. We can look into your word and it gives us insight. We're so grateful, Lord. And I pray for those in this room right now who, if they were honest in their heart of hearts, there's a space of loneliness in the spiritual friendships. Would you meet them there? And would you begin to weave together some relationships that together they could seek God? I pray that our connectivity as a body would grow and deepen so that our love and worship, our pursuit of you, comes stronger than it's ever been. We ask it in Christ's name.